Father, we just want to thank you. We praise you, Father. The seventh day of this first, fifth month, Lord. So much happening around the world, Lord. Every day things seems to be changing. But we come into your presence, in your name, to you, because we have one constant, one constant alone in our life. It is you, Lord. So speak to us this morning. Teach us this morning, Lord. We wait, Father. Our rest comes in your presence. Our rest comes from your word. For the one who has spoken is faithful. There is no shadow of turning with him. Teach us, speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We've been looking at uh, the patriarch Noah for a long time. Right? It's worth looking at. Because there are characters in the Bible we need to keep our eyes on because they have been connected with the last days. But before that, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. So in the volume of the book, we see Jesus. And if we are part of Jesus, we find ourselves in that same book. It's one of the reasons we read the scripture, because we are found in the book. Everything God wants us to do, you will find it in this book. Because in the volume of the book, it is written of him, and we are in him. In Luke 24 and verse 44, Ramba, this is what he told them. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So he said, how come you didn't guys didn't understand? Everything is written. Okay, so that's what Peter will also tell the church when it's going through tribulation. Why are you so surprised that something strange is happening? It's written. It should happen. If it does not happen, you should be surprised. Right? If these things are happening, then it is written. It's there. So we have the prophecies. Okay? Of Jesus. The Bible is full about Jesus. And then in Philippians 3.17, Paul will say, Brethren, join in in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. So we also have examples and patterns. So since we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, we have Jesus, the main body, and then we have examples and patterns. Noah is a pattern. In Genesis 6 and verse 13 and 14, and God said to Noah, okay, we will look at, we get excited when we say Noah was a just man, we should be excited. That he was blameless in his generation. He walked with God. All that is good. But if God does not speak to Noah. And tell him what is going to happen. Noah too will perish in the flood. Okay. 
keep that in mind. That's why it is so important that God speaks to us. Noah is a good man. Judgment is coming. Noah doesn't know about it and does not prepare for it. When judgment comes, he too will be swept away. That's what the word, Bible, the word of God says. When the flood comes, it sweeps the righteous also with the wicked. Okay? Unless we are prepared. So it is God who seeks and speaks to man. It's not man who seeks. It's God. Okay? Remember, from the beginning, when man was lost, like Adam, direction was in the opposite direction. Hiding from God. It is God who seeks and comes and speaks to man. So it is important. Okay. If you look at Job and chapter 11 and verse 17, this is what the Bible says. Was it? Uh, no, no, it's 9.17, where man does not seek God. Or is it 7? Can you by seeking, okay? Yeah. Can The Bible says, can you by seeking find God? No. You can seek. You can do everything you want. But if God doesn't... No, no. One one verse is there. 11, 7. 7? Yeah, 11, 7. Can you search out... That is in KJV. Okay. Can thou by searching find out God? No. God says, if you seek with you, all your heart, you will find me. Is only condition. He reveals himself to us. Okay. But we cannot find God on our own. It's impossible for the finite to find the infinite by searching. Okay. And then on top of that, Romans 3.11 says, there is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. Okay. You On one side, you cannot find God by seeking him. The other side is that nobody seeks, which is true, okay, which is true. People are looking for solutions to problems. They are not looking for God. Okay, they are looking for solutions to problems. Okay, they are not looking, actually searching or seeking for God. They are looking for solutions. Therefore, it is God who seeks and it is God who speaks. If God hadn't spoken to Noah, Noah too would have been swept away. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 2, he said, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia and said to him, who is the one who spoke to Abraham? It's God. God hadn't spoken to Abraham. Abraham would have died probably a good man in the era of the Chaldeans. We wouldn't have even known about him. We would not have known about him. Okay, so... Let us be very, very serious. Yes, a little more higher. Go up. One more. The call of heaven is higher. Yes. I want to turn this morning to Isaiah 51 and verse 2. Of course, our little Sarah is not here. That is the usual verse I tell her every morning. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him, I called him alone. Okay. I called him alone. Note that word, alone. Okay. Romans 4.16. We can look to Abraham, though he's Jewish, because 
Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> but also, therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, that is the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He's the father of us all, so we can. He's a pattern. He's an example for us. Okay. So what does the Bible say? I called him alone. Abraham alone was called. His father was not called. Terah was not called. His nephew was not called. His brother was not called. That is why none of them could actually follow him into the promised land. You know what? This is... Why is this? This is so important. Please listen carefully. Okay, don't take it lightly. Why is that so many people in church never finish the race? They came with the crowd, but they were never called. They were never called. They never heard. Or if they heard, they did not believe. Okay, that's why it is important. Okay, that we need to hear from God. Okay, as many as are called. For them, Christ crucified the power and the wisdom of God. Him alone I called. Okay? Him alone I called. So, he was the only one who was called. In Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Whenever God speaks to you, whenever God calls to you, and you have, God has actually spoken to you and called you, there is be always a call for separation. That's how you know God has spoken to you. God will not walk with you with the crowd. He will not. That's why the Bible says, him alone I called. Even if you are born in a Christian family, when God speaks to you, there will be a separation. The minute God spoke in two dreams to Joseph, he was separated from his own brothers, even from his own father. Because a call has come upon him. God has spoken to him. And here, in his case, get out of your country, your family, your father's household to a land I will show you. In today's case, it is not a physical separation, but inside there is a spiritual separation. A little later, the rest in your family will know something has happened to you. They will know something has happened to you, that you are no longer the same. And they will start first asking, curious what happened to you, then they will start intimidating. Okay? either including or excluding you out of activities. Because salvation does not come to families. It comes only to individuals. Okay, it only, whole family can be saved. But the call is always to individuals. Like Noah and his whole family was saved. Okay, but it's because all of them believed and got into the ark. In Enoch's case, it did not happen. Enoch's wife did not believe, so she was not raptured. His children did not believe. They were not raptured to walk with God. Okay? 
Parents can teach children and be an example and a pattern. But one thing they cannot do is they cannot save their children. They cannot give grace to their children. They cannot. They can teach their children. Then when excellent example, pattern, everything, discipline, you can do everything. Because one thing you need to understand is that grace does not run in the blood. Does not run in the blood. Okay. Those who have been raised in Christian homes and churches have definitely more advantages than the one who is not. But when it comes to salvation, John 3, 7 is very clear. Don't get surprised. <laughs> Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Economics has advantage. Okay. All the Jews to whom Jesus is preaching has an advantage. They understand what he is saying to a greater level. Greater level. But that does not give them entry into the kingdom. That does not give them salvation. You must be. You have to have an absolutely fresh new start. So it is an advantage. That does not mean automatically people in a, in a believing house will get saved. Then uh, Eli's family, Jacob's sons, Samuel's sons, David's sons, all should have been great men of God. None of them were. Didn't work for them. Did not work for them. Okay. So God can call you out alone. God calls to people alone. One person at a time. He deals with us as children. Like we often say, God has no grandchildren. He doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't have nephews and nieces. Okay, he has no relative. All he has is children and children alone. And every child must be born of his spirit. Him alone I call. Another thing which is interesting when you look, study scripture is to look through the pattern. Luke 1 verse 30 and 31. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Matthew 1, 20 and 21. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Another pattern you always see is that whenever God speaks to, and often whenever God speaks to a man or a woman or a child, they are practically alone. They are alone. They are alone. Mary was alone when God spoke to her. Joseph was alone when God spoke to him. In Genesis 22 and verse 1, it came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham is alone. Here I am. Okay. In Genesis 26 and verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land which I shall tell you. Isaac is alone. And to him alone is being spoken. Okay, Lord. And let me tell you in the context of faith, in family, be very careful. Usually, a pattern in the Bible is almost always 
And the man is a believer. God speaks to him alone. He doesn't speak to the wife. Why doesn't he speak to the wife? That is a test for the wife. Will you believe and obey? Even with the case of Ishmael being thrown out. God didn't give a word of prophecy to Sarah that Sarah told, thus says the Lord. He didn't. He actually told Abraham, listen to your wife. Even there, God speaks to Abraham. Be careful about these things because you can go absolutely out of tangent with God and run for years and realize you are absolutely on the wrong road because you didn't listen. The pattern and the examples in the Bible, how God speaks. That is why the onus is upon the man to see that the head of man is Christ. He, it is on him. The burden on him is not doing things. The burden on him is hearing things. That is the burden. It is not doing. Doing is very easy. Once you know what to do, it is very easy to do. Now I build an ark. Okay, fine. Give me the pattern. Here it is. But to hear from God is the difficult part. It is not building. It is not building. It is hearing from God. So the, the men in the home, the head of the home, the onus is upon him to hear. And then when you have heard, the man and the woman come together and they build. And then she becomes the helpmate. She becomes the helpmate. So get these patterns very, very clearly. In Genesis 28 and verse 13. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham. Who is he speaking to? Jacob. He's all alone. He's alone. Okay. God is speaking to him alone. In 28 and verse 13, behold, yeah, 28 verse 13, 32 and verse 24, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Okay, what does it actually tell you? It tells you a simple thing is that you need to have the practice of spending time alone with God until he speaks to you. You need to have that practice in your life. Do not, just because you tried seven days and he did not speak to you, that does not mean he will not speak to you. Okay? It was probably when he was, if it is 120, then probably when he was 580 years old, God spoke to Noah. Okay, the second time when God speaks to Abraham is when he is 75 years old. Okay, so please remember this. But, you have to be found that there is a God who speaks and he speaks to man alone and it's a good place to speak is when you are alone. Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. The bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, that's when God spoke. Moses is alone. Nobody with him. Okay. He's alone. Judges 6.11 Now the angel of the Lord came and sat in the turban tree which was in Orpha, which belonged to George the Abzirite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press. He's alone. 
He's not in his father's house. He's just alone in the wine press. That's when God speaks to him. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse for all the children sitting here. And the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. Samuel is alone. He's all alone. A little child, all alone. And God spoke to him. So through the Bible you have this theme that God speaks to individuals and often he speaks to individuals when they are alone. So he can get your attention. Over and over and over. Why is this so important? It's important is that now we are a crowd here. You are in a crowd. but When you come for the ministry of the word, you should be alone. That's why we say do not get distracted. In a crowd, if you are alone, then God will speak to you. If you become the part of the crowd, God will not speak to you. You will only hear the voice of man. You may be entertained, encouraged and all. It won't last too long. But God will not speak to you. God has to speak to you even in a crowd. You have to be alone. Don't be distracted. Luke chapter 19 and verse 5. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, there is a crowd there. But in the crowd, one man is alone. One man is alone. And God sees that man and speaks to him alone. Okay. Even with the woman with the issue of blood, there's a crowd over there. But actually she's alone. In that crowd, she's alone. She's not part of the crowd. She's not part of the crowd. Okay. She is, she hasn't come like the rest of them. She is very clear. She has come with a specific purpose and she's alone in the crowd and God feels her touch alone. In the same way, when he comes to Jericho, there's a huge crowd over there. One man is not part of the crowd and he goes up a tree and Jesus sees him alone. You can be part of a crowd. You, you can be in a crowd. But even in a crowd, even when you come for a meeting like this or tomorrow to church, yes, we worship together. But when the word comes, we are alone. We are alone. In that crowd, we are alone. One-on-one -on -one with God. And wait, you will see, God will speak to us. He will speak to us. Third part. When God speaks... First Kings chapter 19, 11 to 30. I'm making it very, very simple because we are getting ready for the last days. And it is, you see, when what happens is you will see in the book of Acts when you study procedure or pattern or procedure pattern, the church was scattered. Persecution came and the church was scattered. But the church was scattered, but the church didn't fall apart. But each one carried the testimony of God with them. So one day comes and we are all scattered into different places. All of you should have heard from God alone. They are the only ones who will survive. They are the only ones who will survive. Okay. In the old covenant, the term for them is called the remnant. They are the only ones who will survive. Why? Because they had a, they were part of a crowd. They went to the temple to worship together. But they were also not part of the crowd. They knew God one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. And this is, this is patterns in the Bible. In the book of Daniel, you will see a whole crowd of young people from Judah was taken. Only four people stood. 
But the same crowd must have stood together in Jerusalem in the same temple and worshipped and done all the rituals. But this four had stood there alone with God in Jerusalem. Therefore in Babylon also they stood alone. The others just disappeared in Babylon. Disappeared in Babylon. Because they do not have that one-on-one relationship with God. Because God calls people alone. First Kings chapter 19, 11 to 13. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. A great and a strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in places before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he rapped. So that is what is familiar to him. That is what is familiar to him. You see, just before the voice, what came? No, just look, verse 12, what came? What came? But he just 40 days earlier, he had brought fire down, right? From heaven. Didn't he bring fire down from heaven? But he didn't move out when the fire came. He knows that fire, that's not where God is. He knows in his life, fire came only once, but he knows all my life, I remember that still small voice. Okay. When he heard that voice, he stepped outside. So you need to realize, one, God calls individuals alone. Second, he calls them, speaks to them, usually when you are alone with God. Third, 99% of the time, it's a still small voice. That is why we keep telling you, even when you are, when we are preaching, be sensitive to that voice. Why? It is the voice of the Holy Spirit. John 16 and verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Okay? As soon as he comes, okay, he's waiting. What is the Holy Spirit waiting for? He's waiting for the word. Because he doesn't work without the word. You know the pattern right from Genesis chapter. The spirit of God is hovering, 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 hovering. He can hover for centuries without doing anything. Until the word comes. In the beginning was the word. I'm sorry. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was dark. It was void. Darkness covered the surface of the earth and waters. And the spirit of God is hovering. When did God say let there be light? We do not know. Maybe one million years later. The Spirit of God is holy. He will not move until the word comes. So when you come over here, and when the word of God especially starts, the Spirit of God is seeing, to whom can I speak? Whom can I speak? Okay. Never has the Holy Spirit in the history of mankind ever worked without the word. So when the word comes, your spirit should be sensitive. Because what does he first come? He first comes and convicts. Because we all came out, literally, we all came out from the world, right? If you are children, you go out to play, Manuela and uh, Abigail, and all of you go out to play, evening you play, and Joanna, I mean, all of you go out to play. And then when you come back in, what does your mommy say first? Go wash your, wash your feet, right? wash your feet. That's the final lesson Jesus also gave before after Passover. He washed their feet. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to come and say, what a great child you are. No, he says, just 
Can we do a little cleansing? You may come with the greatest problem in your life, but he says, can we, can we do some convicting here? Can we do some conviction here? Unless you were perfect till yesterday. Okay. He will convict. He will show righteousness. And he will show of the judgment to come. Okay. So. And it becomes a very easy pattern after that. Once you become very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it's become very easy. Very, very easy. You become very familiar. Not familiar in that wrong sense. But you're comfortable with that voice because you realize his voice is not coming here to punish you. Okay. Your mother's voice is not there to punish you unless you are a rebel. It's a very comforting voice. Okay. That's what it says. But also remember, we can sit in a crowd right in church and hear nothing. Acts chapter 22, verse 6 to 9. Now it happened as I journeyed and came from Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Watch verse 9. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Therefore, do you know in scripture or history, we do not know the name of anybody who was with Saul that day. Because they never heard the voice. They saw the light. They did not hear the voice. Okay. So we don't know any anything. Imagine this. Let us say there were ten people there. Okay, there were, let's use the number ten. There were ten people there. Ten of them is witnessing. Probably after the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest event in human history the conversion of Apostle Saul, which will set the foundation for the church. And they have no clue what is happening over here. If you hear their testimony, they will say, we don't know when light came and Saul fell and he was blind. We took him to Damascus and we went. We don't know what happened to him after that. Then later they said, this fellow Pagal Hogya has become a Christian. You know, you can go to a church and you can sit there and enjoy the worship and everything and all and, and God speaks to one young man or one young lady. Ten years you meet that man. That man is on fire for God. He's got a ministry. God is using him everything. And he says, what happened to, didn't we all come from the same church? How did you become like this? Because you sat there, but you never heard. He heard. Oh, heard. So don't be part of a crowd. Be part of the crowd. Okay, because God called him alone. Let me tell you the the interest and not the truth. If there was no Abraham whom God called and he heard and obeyed, we would not have known about places like the Ur of the Chaldeans, Mesopotamia, Haran. Who wouldn't bother about these places? You wouldn't even, it wouldn't even cross our mind, right? We know so many things of our actual history. It's because God called one man. Alone. So we know nothing about anybody else. Remember, they saw the light. 
They were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Okay, so always be sensitive because you know what? 99.99 or 100% of our problems are solved once we hear that voice. Okay, once we hear that voice. That's why the Bible says, I called him alone. One single call separates Abraham from the midst of idolatry. Okay. So you can be in the right place with the right crowd. But unless God speaks to you alone. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Okay. All we can do is prepare. And preparation really matters. Later we will see how preparation really, really matters. And when God speaks to you, your response matters. Listen to Galatians chapter 1, 15 and 16. This man, Apostle Paul, to whom God spoke. But when it pleased God, who separated me from a mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer, confer with flesh and blood. Okay? If you hear something that God has spoken to you, one of the first things to do is zip your lip. Go around and don't tell all your friends. Be very careful with whom you share. Paul didn't tell anyone. He didn't tell anybody. Okay. Because who is going to believe? You tell the wrong people, like Joseph did, that's a well waiting for you. Okay. That's a pit waiting for you. If it is not there, they will dig one for you. That's what it means. So your response, first response is what? Keep quiet. Okay? Keep quiet. God spoke to you. On the other hand, if you are believing friends, believing mentors, it is good to go and speak. Speak to them. Okay? So there the Bible says very, 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 very clearly. Very clearly. Why does God speak to a man? Why does God call a man or a woman? Why does he speak to us? Why does he speak to a man or a woman? For what? Look at verse 16. For one thing, to reveal his son in me. It's a loaded word statement, okay. Why does God call a man? Oh, he's called me to ministry. No, he said, where is it? He says, I have called you so that I can reveal Christ through you. God speaks to a man so that Christ can be revealed through man. So when God spoke to Abel, Christ was revealed through Abel. That is why, even though Abel is dead, he still speaks. Who speaks? Christ speaks. It's not Abel who's speaking. It's the Christ in Abel that is speaking. That is no access to God other than through the blood. Okay? So Christ is revealed through Abel. Right? Christ is revealed through Enoch. Christ is revealed through Noah. Christ is revealed to Abraham. Understand that. That's why God speaks. So when whenever God speaks to anybody sitting over here, when God speaks to you, the entire purpose behind that is that Christ should be revealed through you. And if Christ is not revealed through you, ultimately, the person of Christ is not revealed through you or me, then God did not speak to us. 
somebody fooled us and spoke to us saying he was Christ. Christ has to be revealed. Fourth thing, when God speaks, okay, when God speaks, okay, our response when God speaks, first thing that God expects from us, or rather demands from us, if we have to go any further, is that we believe Him. Believing comes first when God speaks. Before you feel anything, before you see anything, or you experience even the joy of salvation, the first thing is when God speaks, you believe. Because we are physical beings in a material universe, we are controlled by our senses. But when God speaks in that still, small voice through the word, the first thing he expects is, we believe what he says. And if we don't believe, it stops there. It is not seeing, it is not feeling, it is not understanding. It's none of these things. It is believing first. John chapter 3, verse 15. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. First thing God expects is you believe. Now, has God taken you to heaven and brought you back? See, I told you if you believe, you'll go to heaven and not to hell. No. When you die, you will know. But you, you believe first. You don't wait to die first. No, I have to die and come back like Lazarus. Then I will believe you are the savior, God says. Well, wait. Okay. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. You cannot be born again unless you believe. Unless you believe, you cannot be born again. When you believe, you are born again. And then only you will see the kingdom of God. You don't see the kingdom of God and believe. You believe and see the kingdom of God. That is not what happens in the kingdom of this world. It is not what happens. If you have ever bought anything, you have seen it first. You don't put your money on something you haven't seen. Even when you are buying something online, you have seen it. Kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. You don't see. You don't see. It's entirely based on the integrity of the person who is speaking. That is why the first question, he is not dazzled by the light or anything. The first question is, who are you? Who are you? It's a voice, who are you? Jesus of Nazareth, I believe. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I believe. Acts 16 and verse 31. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. You will be saved and after that you can believe. 
see this is this is the confusion in christendom lot of people are not saved because they think they are saved because they go to church or church is something which you can see or i worship that is something which you can feel i attended bible study that is something which you see i heard the sermon and i took notes it's all in the material let's know that's not how you are saved believe on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved believing comes first the reason is jesus is in the spiritual realm it's a different realm altogether we are in but these two two realms are actually coexisting only thing you cannot see you cannot see and in john 6 and verse 63 this is what jesus says it is a spirit who gives life and the flesh profits nothing the words that i speak to you are spirit and they are life okay the words i speak are sound the words he speak are spirit and he says they are life the flesh profits nothing it profits nothing the words of god are spirit so when the spirit speaks you have immediately a choice whether you will believe or not the preacher speaks to everyone but god speaks to you alone have you noticed in a church that after the message everything is over most people don't remember anything at the most they can remember the jokes that was so funny today you think god was funny and in pastor is funny even in the humor something is there very few people and there will be in every service a few people who will go back home saying god spoke to me and if you know that in the entire sermon of one and a half hours he spoke to them one thing he spoke to me one thing either it is conviction it is encouragement it is hanging there he spoke to me preacher speaks to everybody god speaks to only individuals and two individuals to whom god speak spoke in the same message if they were to talk to each other they will say ah huh? what is was that there in your that a message i had to hear that and this fellow also god spoke to that was that there in the message and he will wonder were they in the same service but it is god who spoke to them god has spoke So believing comes first. When God speaks, your and my first response should be believing. Okay, and you will say, "Why doesn't God but God doesn't speak to me?" God doesn't speak to me. Matthew nine. Now we'll go to the little difficult, rough terrain. Okay, nine, three, and four. At once, some of the scribes said. within themselves this man blasphemes and jesus knowing their thoughts said why do you think evil in your hearts are you getting the point you know why god doesn't speak to some people because he knows every thought in every mind he knows what we are thinking he knows what we thought in the morning 
he thought he knows what we thought while we're coming here if i don't come pastor will say something so he knows you don't have to utter one word he knows every thought in our mind he knows he knows luke 6:7 and 8 The scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on Sabbath that they might find an accusation but he knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts. John 2:23 to 25. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Many people believe because when you see a miracle, emotions come in and all feel, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. No, all emotions. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. Okay. And he had no need, okay? He knew all men. Let's, let's stop there. He knew because he knew all men and let's go to verse 25 also. and had no need anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man like let us say tomorrow sunday worship is fantastic goosebumps ripples down your spine everybody is so excited word was fantastic but god knows who believes Jesus says, your goosebumps mean nothing to me because I know the thoughts that is already coming as you step out. That's why he doesn't commit himself to anybody here. He doesn't commit himself. So everybody believed in his name. Why? Because of a miracle. But the same crowds will start leaving him as he starts talking to him about what the kingdom is. John 6 and 64 But there are some of you who do not believe who is he talking to he's talking to his disciples he says you've been with me <laughs> you've seen it all you've even come up the mountain to receive the teaching but still no <laughs> some of you here who still do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him He still continued teaching them. Okay. Understand how scripture, because God knows our heart. Psalm 139, 1 and 2. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. This guy has not spoken a word. He's only thinking. And he says, you know what? You know my thoughts. Psalm 91, 94 and verse 11. The Lord knows the thoughts of man. He knows the thoughts of man. And they are futile. 44, 21. Would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. And Hebrews 4, 13. The punchline in Hebrews. There is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So here we are sitting in a crowd. 
but god knows every thought in every heart and god speaks to them to one alone which one not that he speaks only to one but are we getting it why people don't hear god was watching noah god was he knew his thoughts noah's thoughts he knew noah's thoughts he saw noah's walk and one day he spoke to him god saw all the men in the arab chaldeans he saw all their thoughts one day he spoke to abraham God looked at two young men. He looked at Cain, he looked at Abel, looked at the offerings, and after the offerings, one offering was accepted. His Cain didn't speak a word. Did he speak it? But he asked him, "Why are you angry?" The thoughts in his mind was angry. His countenance and expression had changed. and thoughts were angry and he asked him you don't have to be angry to be angry for god all you need is angry thoughts and you are angry why are you angry he hasn't spoken he hasn't shouted at abel he hasn't said a word at all he's a man who exercises self control but you know what god said why are you angry he knows the thoughts So the question is here can god speak to me ask this question the simple question is pastor if what you said is true if god knows my thoughts with this kind of thoughts can god commit himself to me let us say this let us put it across this way no thoughts are also words and sentences right and voices among the multiplicity of voices in your mind will you just add god's voice also will you become one among many gods can god speak to you where every thought is brought out every imagination every thought is troubled out and he exalted that voice alone he spoke to me now i don't need to hear anything else he has spoken to me can god speak to us because if you look into the record in hebrews 11 every person to whom god spoke they obeyed so god didn't waste his words with any one of them he spoke they heard they may have struggled a little some of them like gideon with believing but god knew they would believe and ultimately they all obeyed him alone i called so the question is when god speaks or when you read your bible god has spoken now he has spoken now the simple thing is that if you don't believe the written word how will you believe the spoken word it's an inward voice of the spirit when you have the word now here and you don't believe it 
you don't believe it. Okay. When you read this, you don't believe it. How can he speak to you and expect you to believe it? Because now that we have the word. John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This question is, do you believe in it? The same thing God is telling. This is the same. Our entire life is based on this statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe in this? Do you believe that if you believe in Jesus and die, you will not die? Do you believe in this? Let me ask you this question to you. Do you believe in this? The thing is that if you believe in this, your life will radically change. You know what he is saying? Let me let me tell you this thing. Let me tell you something. Let me say, make a statement. You are immortal. You cannot be killed. Would you live like this? That's exactly what he say. You cannot be killed. If you believe in me, you cannot die. Even if you die, you will live. Immediately priorities, everything will change. Everything in life will change because the entire search of man after the fall is for immortality. God is offering immortality. You believe in me, you will never die. Immediately priorities change. Everything changes. Changes. You cannot die. And that's what God is talking about. He's asking Martha, do you believe? Do you believe in this? A few seconds, or not a few seconds, a few minutes later, maybe half an hour later, verse 39 and 40. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Already she has forgotten what he had said. He said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? This is what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness and Psalm 78 captures it. No? He gave them water. He gave, of course he gave us water, but can he give us bread also? Okay, he gave, can he give us meat also? And that is how we go through. We don't go from faith to faith. Actually, if you look at an average Christian, he goes from unbelief to unbelief. And then still expects God to speak to him. God says, how can I speak to you? I just told you, if you believe in me, you will never die. Even if he dies, he will live. You know what I'm telling you? You've forgotten it already. You're saying it will stink. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Hebrews 11 and verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things, not yet seen. Did you see? Till then it hasn't rained on planet earth. They don't even know what rain is. Because if, if you, if you, if you read Genesis chapter one, you will see God separated a canopy of water on the top and a canopy down, the water down and the water up. There was no sea. Okay. There is no sea. Sea hasn't come in yet. As far as I understand, I don't think sea was there like the sea which came after the flood. Okay, there's a canopy of water. And that canopy is what is released during the flood. It's, it comes down. 
Okay. So basically, science is basically proving scripture. Screw it. You see, after that canopy came down, man's life was shortened. Shortened. Before the canopy came down, they lived up to 800, 900 years because the harmful, this radiation from the sun is not coming through. So man lived longer and longer and longer. So science is God's servant. Science is not God. Okay. So when God says, my spirit shall not strive with man for too long, 120 years, he already decided this is how it's going to happen. The canopy will come down and man's life will be short. And if you look in human history after that, except for Abraham and Isaac and all, nobody, even Joseph only went to 110. He didn't go beyond. No. So there is no rain. Nobody has seen rain. Okay. But when God spoke to Noah, he believed. And Bible says he prepared an ark. Okay. And God spoke. You will not see the stuff like judgment is coming. It is going to be with fire. And if the righteous can be scarcely scared, what about those who don't believe the gospel? We see all these warnings. The question is, do we believe? Do we believe? That's what God is talking about. Okay. On Saturday, on Thursday, I was telling the the church, the Nepali church, I was telling them, like, if you can actually find, it's all there in the book of Genesis, the first five, six chapters, you can see it. From Adam to Noah, the flood, is 1,656 years. Adam to Noah, 1,656 years. Adam lived 933 years. 933 years. When Adam died, Enoch was 301 years years old. So for 301 years, Adam was there in Enoch's life. Think about it. For 301 years, Adam was there in Enoch's life. But how many people did God take alone? Only one believed. This man who has an actual testimony of the Garden of Eden, of God, of walking with God, everything he knows. And nobody believes. Only one man is able to be prepared for rapture. You have a genuine living testimony. Then Methuselah is there. 969 years. After Adam dies, he's around 733 years left. Okay. So you have all these testimonies. How many people were there in the ark? Eight people. So if, do you think if you see and hear, you will believe? The fallen man, unbelief is built in. Built. It is built. Okay. That's what God is talking about. And the other example I gave them was from the book of Revelation. Jesus comes. Satan is taken. Bound. Satan is bound means all the demons are bound. All thrown into the abyss for how many years? A thousand years. Then Jesus with the saints, which are these? These saints are the saints who have martyred for their testimony and their word and everything. Now they are ruling. And the surviving humans, the flesh and blood humans, they are ruling them. They multiply, they multiply, they are all over. It's perfect reign for a thousand years. You can't. This is like Garden of Eden. Everything is back normal in heaven. 
no on earth no war peace plenty everybody lives old even the youngest will be 100 years old everybody no issues here no disease no sickness no poverty nothing then towards the end of the thousand years satan is released for a little while and the bible says he gathered everybody against god so is it that they could not believe because they did not see they saw jesus they lived under his rule and they saw the saints with the glorified bodies still they didn't believe so believing is not connected with seeing or experiencing it is something more than that we always think oh if i saw i would believe it's got nothing to do with that these are people who lived literally under jesus reign and the saints reign experienced all of this but they still goes against him is that they did not believe that jesus is real they believe jesus is real but they don't believe in him to be saved there is a difference between these two you can believe jesus is real you can believe in the miracles you can believe in god but you still do not believe to be saved okay that is what we are talking about saving faith okay i don't think there is hardly anybody in this world who does not believe there is god there is no god everybody believes there is god but they don't believe god to be saved that is the issue so here is a man divinely warned he has not seen any of these things but what does he do he prepares he prepares go to hebrews 11 8 and 10 8 to 10 by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance he went out not knowing where he was going not knowing where he was going by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with isaac and jacob heirs with him of the same promise for he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is god did you see that city But did he believe in that city? Yes. How do you know? The way he lived. The way he lived. That's how you know this man believed. That's how you know that that man. This man believed. Hebrews 11 and verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So did he see Jesus? No. But did he believe in Jesus? Yes. How do you know? Because of what he did. What he did. So we come back to Isaiah 51 verse 2. Him alone. God calls people alone. And usually when they are called they are alone. First he calls them when they are alone he calls them alone and after they are called they are alone all their friends leave them if he calls you from the family in one family the family misunderstands you okay if he calls you in a classroom your friends all start mocking you they leave you okay and almost always you cannot prove to them that he called you 
That's the problem with faith. God spoke to me. No, he won't contradict scripture. Okay? God spoke to you. He can always show from scripture. The problem, the people you are speaking to, they don't believe in scripture. How do you know God spoke? I had two dreams. What? Go study. Dreams, sir. That's what modern day Jacob would say. Go study. Hmm? You're sleeping too much. <laughs> what did you eat for dinner yesterday? Had two dreams. Hmm? Seeing, harvest and all. Maybe. <laughs> did you go to sleep on an empty stomach? Hmm? Sheaves standing, sheaves bowing and all. Go study now. God spoke. But once you believe, the issue is here, you will be compelled to obey. Otherwise you haven't believed. Haven't believed. For Noah, it was building an ark. Exactly. As God gave the specifications, he started building, started building. For Abraham, it is living in tents in a foreign land like a pilgrim. For how many years? hundred years. Can you think about a man who is so unbelievably wealthy, will live in a tent without building a house? You look at that man, you will know that this man believes. Think about if you are a 21st century Abraham, you have that kind of money. If the people look at you, they're able to say, you know what, this man believes because I know the kind of money this man has, but look at how he lives because he's living for another, another world, not this world. Will they be able to say? Because the first decision Daniel made in Babylon was not for Babylon, it was for Jerusalem. The coming Jerusalem. I will not defile myself. Come on, Yar. You have got a break. Most of them have been sold and sent to other places. You got a break. The king's team has picked you up. This is your chance to make it big in Babylon. Israel is over. Jerusalem is over. But he's not talking, thinking about that Israel or that Jerusalem. He's thinking about Christ and his kingdom and makes a decision. By his decision, you know this man believes. This man believes. Everything is connected with that. Let me talk to the children first here. Honor your father and mother. Obey your father and mother. Why? Because you believe in the kingdom that is coming, not this kingdom. Because that promise is connected with that kingdom. If you believe, you will obey. It's irrespective of what your parents are. Doesn't matter what your parents are. You realize this is a promise by the invisible God connected with rewards in a coming kingdom. Therefore, I believe and I will obey. It doesn't matter what my father is or my mother is. Same thing is told to husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Who did you bring in? You brought in Christ. The coming kingdom doesn't matter what my wife is like. I'm looking at a king and a kingdom that is coming does not matter what my wife is like. Wife, submit your husband as unto the Lord. It does not matter what my husband is like. I see the kingdom. I believe. Therefore, I obey. Otherwise, we haven't seen. 
We haven't seen. That's what the Bible says. Now let us go back to Isaiah 52 and 51 verse 2. Yes. Look unto Abraham, your father, and to? Why? Because she believed. Yes, my Lord. And she called him. I believe. I believe God has spoken to you. Therefore, whatever you say is okay with me because I know who spoke to you. It's got not longer got to do you with Abraham. It has got nothing to do with you anymore, Abraham. I know who has spoken to you. Therefore, it is well with my soul. I believe. That's why look unto Abraham, your father, and look unto Sarah. You know why? She believed. She believed. That's what God is talking about. When we come to that point, you know what? God is able to speak to us. He's able to speak to us. And here is a man living in the promised land as a sojourner, as a pilgrim, living with the heirs in tents. And Hebrews 11 and verse 27. Another rich man. More than riches. 27. More than riches. Now power to. What is that? He forsook. What does faith mean? Faith is the substance of things and the evidence of things not seen. What did he forsake? He forsook Egypt, the throne of Egypt. He forsook it. Why? Because he saw something. He saw something. He saw something. Faith will cause you to make decisions which are connected with the kingdom alone. It's not connected with this world. It may have an effect on this world, but it is always connected with that kingdom. That's what the Bible is talking about. Because God knows all men. And He knows what is in us. He knows our thoughts from afar off. He knows our thoughts even before we have thought. He knows our end from the beginning. The question is, can God commit Himself into our hands? Can God commit? Proverbs 24 and verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Why am I saying this? Because adversity is already here. It's coming. It's going to increase. It's going to increase. It's going to increase. See, because we don't understand economics and commerce and all. We don't understand when the Fed Reserve in US hikes their percentage by 30 or this thing. We don't realize what would happen to India. All the foreign inflow will up, go out. No. What the crooks do? You park your car somewhere. If they can open the tank, they put a pipe over there and they put it and they take all your petrol off. In the morning when you are trying to drive your vehicle, tank is empty. But didn't you feel it? Basically they are saying when the Fed raises it up over here, all the money people are investing here will go back to US. Standing, we won't have. We were boasting. We are the fastest growing economy right now in the world and we got a resource of $500 billion. But the way things are going, all that money will flow back and we will be without like. Did you see the paper? They declared emergency in Sri Lanka because of the rights. And the rights is over food and petrol and shortage. Nothing is happening. Okay. 
I'm not saying it will come to that state here. We are, we are better managed. Our economy is much better managed. What I'm saying is adversity can come in many forms. But if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So how do you handle adversity? Go to the next verse. It's an interesting verse in this book of Psalm. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You have to believe first. I would have lost heart. I would have fainted in the day of adversity unless I had believed. You have to believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe. I don't have to see. Adversity is coming. It's coming in waves. But I believe somebody who is over and above everything that is coming. And I also would have lost heart unless I had. What comes first? It's belief. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. That's where it comes. Because any crisis you are facing in life, whether it is your career, your education, your job, your marriage, whatever it is, you know, you have to go beyond what you see and take hold of something that is on the other side and believe. And that's why you will not faint. I know God will restore my marriage. I know my kids will come back from the wilderness. I know I will do well. I know I shall not starve because I was young. I am old. I have never seen the righteous bed bread. It is all connected with somebody on the other side. It's always connected with him. That is what believing saying. I would have lost heart. I would have lost it unless I had believed. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Okay. And unlike the Old Testament prophets, New Testament saints, for them, because they did not understand, it was hidden. Christ was hidden for them. Death was the end. For us, death is the beginning. It is not even the end. It is the beginning of something I cannot even imagine or think. That's why Paul says, for us to live or die is gain. For them, die is loss. For us, it does not matter. Whether we live or die, it is Christ. Christ has come in. Christ is in. He lives. And God reveals Christ through us. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a completely different, what is the paradigm shift that has taken place. But if you believe. So the question is this. When you read, when you hear, when God speaks, when you read the word of God, do you believe? Do you believe? God speaks to you alone. He speaks to you usually when you are alone. When you read your Bible, usually you are alone. You are alone. He speaks to you. And Hebrews 4 and verse 2 will say, when he speaks, indeed the gospel... What is gospel? Good news. Everything in the Bible is good news. Was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not mixed with faith in those who they did not believe. That's what it means. Profited. This set of people is what we call in school term just pass. They just came out of Egypt. That's all. That's all. 
There will be many, many just pass in heaven. Much more failed, many just passed, and few overcomers. At every stage, what blocked every group was only one thing. Do you believe? Do you believe? Final verse for today, and I will release you. When you go, please, believe. Okay, don't go. Jesus said to them, if you can believe, when God speaks to you, when God speaks to you, if you can believe, all things are possible to him or her who believes. Simple thing is, take a hammer, like that old story about, like Abraham, break every idol in your heart. Okay? Okay, break every idol in your heart. And then, speak to God, pray to God every day, would you speak to me? And then when he speaks to you, believe. And then act on it. All things are possible to him or her who? The danger is if you go with an idol in your heart, also he may speak. And then later you would wish, you would wish he hadn't spoken to you. Okay. The first thing to do is take a hammer. Okay, hardly take a hammer. You're a strong girl. Remember, take a big, it's a nice hammer. Break every idol in your heart. <laughs> if you can't give the hammer to Satpal, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. Every idol in your heart. No, even that, there are hidden idols. You have to first ask God, I know some idols, but I know there are more. After hearing today's message, Lord, I know there are many hidden idols. Would you please reveal it and break it for me? Then only you speak to me. Then only you speak to me. Okay? Because even when God speaks to you, you can get it completely wrong. Because we see in part, you understand in part. Joseph got two dreams and he completely misunderstood it. God said, a dream is from mine, interpretation is wrong. So I will take, take, it will take me 13 years for you to get the right interpretation. Thirteen years later, he is ready to receive the revelation of the dream because he's a man fit for that dream now. Sometimes we delay what God has spoken to our lives because we have not become the person to receive what he has spoken. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. But Joseph, we can't say he actually delayed. I mean, by the age of 30, to become prince of Egypt is not a small thing. He, I mean, God's man, okay? It took God 40 years to get Moses ready. 40 years to get Moses ready. It took God 75 years to get Abraham ready to enter into the promised land. Hundred years before he could give him the promise. It took God 600 years probably to speak to Noah. It took God only 13 years to get Joseph ready. And he was a young man. 
So background matters. Advantage, Joseph. Why is born in a believing family? You're in a believing set, set, setting. You have heard much. You have learned much. Advantage. Unlike somebody who could be picked from a different setting. Moses is picked from the Egyptian palace, has to be taken in the wilderness, emptied, emptied, emptied. Takes 40 years to empty, then sent back. Because the setting is different. He didn't come from a Jewish home. He came from a Hebrew, um, Egyptian home. So, child coming from an unbelieving home and a child coming from a believing setup, the believing one has an advantage. An advantage. So don't waste your advantage. Don't waste your advantage because you've been around for a long, long time and you have heard. Now you understand the simple principle. Sitting in a crowd makes no difference. God speaks to people alone. Doesn't speak to crowds. He speaks to people alone. Two, he speaks to people usually when they are alone. Try to be alone with God every day. Persistent. Prove it to God. You can get me alone. Prove it to God. Be alone. And when God speaks to you, you will know God has spoken to you. Because after you have obeyed, you will be alone. Noah is alone for 120 years. Life will radically change. It will change. When he speaks, believe. Because whatever he speaks is usually impossible. Because if it is possible, he will not speak to you. Whatever he speaks to you, usually will be impossible. But you believe, you obey. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We serve a God who's real, who's living. God of integrity righteousness and love. A God who only has children. Has no nephews, no nieces. No grandchildren, only children. And therefore a father who speaks to his children. Help us, Lord, to incline our ears. Help us, O Lord, to be found alone with you. Even in a crowd, when we are in your presence, we realize we are alone. When we worship in the church, we realize we alone are worshiping. We are not moved by the worship of others or distracted by others who don't worship. We worship you alone. When we hear the word, we hear alone. Because we know you are speaking to me. And when we obey, we obey alone. Even if there is no one willing to walk with us like Jesus, we'll set our face like a flint. All may forsake, but we will still go forward because we know he called me alone. Because we know on that day, of judgment, we will stand before your throne alone. There will be nobody standing with us. We will stand before you alone. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Help us, Lord. Now weaknesses help us. We believe in the day of adversity we would have fainted unless we believed in the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's why we are still standing. That's why we still believe. That's why we still hope. Because we believe. God is good. And what he has promised, he's faithful to cause it to come to pass in our lives. Year of restoration. You gave us a promise. Four months and seven days ago, you gave us a promise. We still believe. We still hope. We still stand that you will restore everything the locusts have eaten away. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Be with us through this day. Keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.